Episode 154, dated Friday the 30th of April 2010, Finally Fighting. Their names are Alex Shaw and Tony Atkins. Alex and Tony from Digital Cowboys. Together they are the Digital Cowboys. Our friends, the Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. A dynamic duo of dynamite podcasters that deliver a show of divine quality each and every week. We just recorded uh, with the Digital Cowboys yes, right before this. Fun times. Two very, very swell chaps. The Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. I just recently appeared on the Digital Cowboys podcast. The Digital Cowboys. They're British. It was fun times because they're British. Yes. <laughs> and they had the sexy accents. It's true. In-depth gaming discussion with special guests and interesting questions. That's an interesting question. This week, we welcome to the show Andrew J. Smith, designer for the development team Proper Games. This was the team responsible for bringing Final Fight Double Impact to XBLA and PSN a couple of weeks ago on April 15th. It's going to become immediately apparent as soon as we start the show that this is how I think all arcade titles need to be updated, so I'll just say it now. I do. Welcome to the show, Andrew, and well done on the superb job. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. And uh, so uh, your your official title is designer. I am designer, yes. Okay. Just, can... just plain designer. So you can go into exactly what that entails very shortly. So uh, for part one of uh, this podcast, we're going to be uh, asking Andrew some questions uh, about how the project was handled and also how Proper Games operates. And uh, part two, Tony and I will be talking about Splinter Cell Conviction. By the way, uh, Andrew, have you played much of Splinter Cell Conviction? I've played the demo, and I've watched my flatmate play most of the single-player games. That's not <laughs> enough to talk to us yeah. about it, so you're going to have to go. You're asking the developer. He hasn't got time to play games. That's very true. I'm assuming you just spent the past couple of weeks partying since uh, since Final Fight came out. Well, I stuck all my partying into one night. We had a launch party, and that was enough. Was that the one with the wrestling? That was the one with the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, right. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Okay. Part one, Double Impact. So, how close is this to the original ROM of Final Fight, the original arcade game? Well, with the caveat of, as far as I'm aware, it's 100%. Um, the emulation is 100%, except for there's one tiny graphical change that we had to make legally. We were legally required to. Oh, yeah. Is, um, we, I think there's a brand name or something in the background of the final level. Right. Uh, before you enter Belgia's building, and we had to kind of tweak that a little bit. But other than that, it's 100%. Okay. Right. Well, I, I didn't miss it, and uh, I don't think I ever actually got that far on the original game. It would. It would <laughs> but um, right now, just to give me a second on this one, because just just to hold up in stark contrast to what you guys have achieved, I got a little bullet point list of what happened with the SNES version. I'm assuming you're familiar with that one. Oh, very much so. Yeah, okay, right. Now, the following is quite mind-boggling, so bear with me on this one for all you folks out there. This was released in, I think it was 92, which would have been um, three years after the arcade uh, release. Um, and I think it came out in Japan first and then got a, a fairly limited European and American release. So, okay, first off, no two-player mode. Epic fail immediately right there. I, 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 it's, it's baffling. I... I, I I don't know exactly who handled this, whether it was Capcom themselves or whether they farmed it out to someone. I really should have done the uh, the uh, research on that specific one. But Final Fight with with one person on their own? 
Yeah. <laughs> Enforced. Right, okay. Uh, second, only Hagar and Cody. Couldn't handle Guy as well. Third, no scantily attired female punks, Poison and Roxy. They replaced them with male punks. No bottles used as weapons and energy providers. The name of the samurai boss, Sodom, was changed to the less disturbing Katana. The uh, dreadlocked meathead, Damned, became Thrasher. Uh, final boss, Belger, now operated an office chair rather than a wheelchair. Uh, the distraught punk on finding his car demolished by the player exclaimed, Oh, my car, rather than the far more controversial, Oh, my God. Uh, when stabbed... I believe this is the case. Instead of a small splash of blood animation, you explode a little bit instead. <laughs> um, which is, you know, a bit more disturbing. Uh, also, to prevent allegations of race hate, possibly, some of the... And this is the most baffling things. Some of the darker-skinned characters were lightened somewhat. To make them slightly less urban, maybe. Best for last, though. To save space an entire level, one-sixth of the game, the industrial area was also sliced out. That's the one with all the flames at the beginning, which you have to just, you know, sidestep and uh, and jump over, which was a pain in the ass. But to have it removed entirely, um, there was another version released on import only in in Japan uh, called Final Fight Guy, and uh, that was the one where they took out Cody and you got to play Guy instead. And then they added a couple of extra power ups, but very little else was changed. And uh, it's worthy of note that this butchered and molested SNES version is now available on Wii's virtual console for the bargain price of £5.60, if you so choose to buy it. Way after that glowing review, yeah. It's, it's history, folks. <laughs> I mean, I almost want to buy it just um, for, for my Wii, just to be able to go, look at that, now look at that. I mean, j- in, in many respects, this is a completely different game. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually not heard of a game that has been that mauled on its way to a console from the arcade. I mean, um, Revolution X I played on the SNES as well. That was appalling, the Aerosmith one. But uh, the original arcade game was rubbish as well. So basically, I think that's possibly why, when I finally got to play this one, because I think I've not actually played any really good home conversions. I had the GBA version of Final Fight. But I finally got to play this version of Final Fight, and I will allow you to speak in just a second, Andrew. It just blew me away, and I was like, yes, no, this is actually exactly what it was. But then there was so much polish to it that it went even further, and we'll get to that now. And I I have to be also completely honest, it was the first time I've ever played it. (laughs) It completely, no, it just completely passed me by as a, you know, as a teenager, so no, no reasons why. I think I was too busy probably playing Double Dragon. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, sorry, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, I was... but the Twitter, I mean, everyone on Twitter and everyone on, on the internet and the forums were going absolute ballistic saying, Final Fight, Final Fight, and I'm like, I've never played it. So it was a good chance for me to actually catch up with a title that, you know, was beloved by many by the sounds of it. There was actually a Mega CD version out there as well, but I never had a Mega CD, and I'm probably kind of glad that I didn't. But, um, okay, right. So what, what did you guys change to basically boost for Final Fight to, to make it more than just the original ROM? Well, I, I think, like you say, the, the the touchstone for us was remembering playing it in the arcades. Mm. You know, that that first time you play it, you saw those massive sprites yeah. um, smashing the crap out of each other, um, and and it was just trying to recapture that spirit. So rather than do some kind of HD update, mm. um, which has its own merits, you know, that's kind of in a way tampering with the memory. So, you know, every decision we made was based off of this idea of just, you know, this is how you remember it being. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's the the key reason why we've got the the arcade surround in there. Yeah. Um, 
Um, all the, you know, the, the visual filters, you know, they kind of go halfway, but I kind of prefer playing it in the old school. You do? Uh, raw pixels, yeah. I kind we'll, of do. we'll get to the filters in just a second. Um, just regarding the actual arcade uh, surround border, um, what was that? Because it was actually grubby looking. Yep. It, I mean, oh. like, like it was so, like, I could practically Jeez. touch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very talented uh, artist by the name of Chris Bradwell. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all his work. Um, I mean, as soon as we came up with the idea to have that surround, everyone jumped on it, mm. um, and, and we got some really, really nice high-res um, scans of the original right. um, material from the, from the arcade, from Capcom, mm-hmm. and we just decided that, you know what, they, they're too nice. This isn't, this isn't yeah, how we remember yeah. it. You know, we never played a pristine version, so why would we present one? Arcade's um, not the most hygienic of places in the uh, early 90s. Not exactly, no. <laughs> If, if we could have, um, you know, we'd have shipped um, a, a filled-up ashtray to everyone who bought the game, you know? It's like, nice. we just wanted it to be that authentic. But this is the only version of Final Fight Arcade which won't give you hepatitis in some way, so that's, that's good. <laughs> right, um... <laughs> okay, so now going to the um, the filters, as you were just about to mention, mm-hmm. usually, every time I... I mean, I've got the Sega Mega Drive collection, which uh, any aficionado of games from that yeah. era should get if oh, even if you never actually played them in the first place just to be able to go look back and get all of those games for such a bargain press it's I got like my 10 pound now yeah, uh, yeah it's like t- 10 15 quid for f- like 50 games it's insane but every single time you you can add an optional filter it looks rubbish i don't, I don't know what it just it looks smudgy and um like, like for some reason it seems less detailed even though if effectively all it's I really think, doing is smooth I think that's probably down to one size fits all I don't, they didn't go into every game and optimise it per filter yeah. which is basically filter do all games but I've almost I, mean, I, I just there aren't that many filters out there that are actually all that good at all I mean Super Street Fighter 2 HD Turbo Remix has the uh, the sort of Udon skin over uh, all of the characters which is fantastic and, and, and you know really make, you know, polishes up that game um what bugs me is that I couldn't remove it. Uh, you could actually do it for the characters, but not the backgrounds, which made yeah. your head swim. Um, but uh, but with, with you guys, with the, with the filters, you know, whether you like them or not, you can just put them on, take them off, whatever you like. So, uh, okay, right. First off, um, what is the difference between sharp and smooth? Or was it <laughs> is it sharp and smooth? The the, yeah, the two main ones. I believe it is sharp and smooth. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know the precise programmatical, you know, science behind it, yeah. but, um, you know, they, they, the smooth goes for, this is going to sound really pedantic, isn't it? The yes, smooth it goes is. for rounded edges, <laughs> and the sharp tries to bring out uh, the contrast. Best um, answer to any question that's bloody obvious <laughs> I've ever heard. Wrong guy to be answering the question. I'm sorry. Guess, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, like you say, um, you know, the, the Udon stuff was brilliant on, on Street Fighter, mm. but we've... And I don't know. I call it the Star Wars syndrome. They redressed Star Wars, you know, the original trilogy. They they put in all the CG stuff, and you know what? For someone who's never seen it, that's fine. But it's not how we remember it. Mm. Um, and you can't switch it off. No. So we were really aware that we didn't want to go down that route with this. You know, weirdly enough, I was uh, showing my two-year-old daughter the non-anamorphically justified uh, original version of uh, Star Wars the other day. A couple of years ago, after the release of the DVD set, they did another like one with a bonus disc where you could finally get the non-special editions. <laughs> but they kind of gave us a little fuck you by uh, allowing, not not making them anamorphically justified or really polishing up the sound. So it was like, right, okay, so you're going to have to press zoom on your TV or something, or it's going to be in a tiny little box. I don't know what they're going to do for the Blu-ray. I'd imagine a 3D version hellish but um okay yeah so but 
imagine if you were watching Star Wars and you could effectively just go, oh, I'm sick of this special edition, jump to the menu and toggle it back to its original version. Now that would be a Blu-ray I'd pay for. Me too. Yeah. So, okay, right. But the the thing I'm winding up to is the monitor-style filter. Am I right in saying that there's a slightly converse look to it? Like, say, it makes it more like it's, like, sticking out of the screen a little bit and slightly... Well, yeah, we're, we're actually uh, rendering it on, on a modelled screen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. And it's got, a, it's got a phosphorescent glow and scan line, so it just... It, it, your eyes just go, yes, actually, I'm going back in time 20 years at this point, and it, it's... Yeah. Really convincing stuff. It, it reminds me of my Amiga, mostly. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it does. There's that bent-up edges, and where you, you know the picture's slightly curving, and mm. so, yeah, the, the slightly, I say, phosphorus thing that actually burns into your eyes if you've been playing for more than two hours. Mm-hmm. But uh, interestingly, when you stick on the pixelation, it's it's incredibly clear because without the uh, the filter of the monitor, effectively you're playing just the direct ROM up against yeah. the screen. Um, and did you, so? Do you say that that's how you basically like to play it with all the pixelation and uh, and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, it does depend on my mood, I'll admit, but, you know, it, it's kind of nice to remember how things were precisely, and, and there's a little bit of um, pride in there as well, because we do, you know, it's like the closest to 100% that it's ever been emulated, so I'm sort of massaging my ego every time I put it on, but, um, <laughs> well, oh. and the ego of the team, it's not just mine. I don't know, massage the team all you want. Um, the, uh, the Oh, the other thing was that when you boot up the game, it goes, it just gives all the data and the codes go down the screen, it goes rom, 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 or something along those lines, as if you just just plugged in the arcade game. I, I've never seen that done on an Xbox Live arcade game. I mean, has it been... Either of you guys seen it done? I haven't, no. <sighs> this is what happened when you do it 100%? Thumbs up, seriously, for that one. Well, I mean, it's it's a tiny thing, but I mean, I, I do remember the discussion. It was like, okay, guys, you know, we're going to we're gonna switch the ROM on at a point. Do we leave that in? And, and the overwhelming vote was, hell yeah, because, <laughs> you know, that's authentic right there. Okay, so the updated music, uh, it says it's from the same team that uh, did Bionic Commander Rearmed. Was that Simon Vickland, or was it other people involved as well? Um, it was, I think he was our main point of contact, and um, his partner, whose name escapes me, I'm <laughs> sure you'll be able to find it. Um, but yeah, it was it was th- that pair. See, when you play the uh, original music, as, as uh, m- many memories as it brings back, it is kind of rough on the ear, and, and he's done a really good job at making it sound a bit, you know, more orchestral. And it, it's, it's, I tend to default to his music, even if I'm playing on the original pixelated version. So, um, but yeah, excellent job with that one. Um, and, and again, it's, it's toggleable and it's customizable, and, and, and I cannot stress this enough. All arcade games should be as customizable as this. So one thing we haven't actually talked about as well is that for your 800 points, you're not just getting one game, you're actually getting two games, and Magic Sword being the second. So why was the inclusion of Magic Sword and why Magic Sword itself? Yeah, it's pretty obscure. It's a little obscure, yeah, although it has its fans, although I was surprised to see them on the on the forums commenting. <laughs> um, it, was, it was mainly um, Capcom's decision, um, but... You know, there were a few games bandied around. I, I think there have been quotes, um, Black Tiger was up in the air at one point, and uh, Forgotten Worlds, and, and none of them really really match Final Fight, do they? Did anybody say Mercs? Um, I think... <laughs> yeah. God damn it! <laughs> I was so disappointed with uh, Wolf of the Battlefield. Seriously, I want Mercs. Sorry, well, come on. I think that was the main problem. You know, that, that IP has already been kind of exploited or, uh, fairly recently, so... You say exploited um, yeah. like it's a good thing. <laughs> Everybody loves a bit of exploitation. Yeah, especially Bobby Kotick. Carry on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. And, and 
I don't think it was ever um, on the cards that they wanted to match up with Final Fight. You know, <laughs> whatever game you put with it, Final Fight's going to be the, the the marquee title. Very true. So they wanted a bit of variety, and um, I, I, I'll confess, I was new to Magic Sword when they sent the ROM over and we played it, and <laughs> it's quite charming in its own drug-addled way. It's um, it is. It's like a, a side-scrolling Diablo. Yeah, yeah. But what confuses me though is this is only 800 points, which in itself would be a bargain for Final Fight. And it just, it seems odd that they added Magic Sword as a second game. Odd in a good way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I'm all about value for money, but I'm pretty sure (laughs) that most people have just been happy with with Final Fight. So it's it's interesting to see why Magic Sword uh, and why Capcom felt the the need to add more value to the money of a package that already seemed to be outstanding value in its first place. Mm. It's, it's a fair point. It is oddly generous. Um, I, I, I can only really guess. I mean, um, perhaps it's um, you know an exercise in finding an old an old IP and seeing what the the new market for it's like. But um, hmm. yeah, it went down really well, didn't it? So. What's the general response been um, from from strangers uh, to, to to the to Magic Sword to you? Uh, it's been pretty mixed, actually. It's kind of half and half. You know, some people are like, wow, you know, this this hidden gem that I've never heard of. Mm. Uh, what, what a great, fun little game. And then others really view it as a complete waste of time and space. <laughs> it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because a, a game like Magic Sword probably isn't likely to have a full release on Xbox Live Arcade or yeah. PSN Network or any other... It would know, never get the network. chance. Um, but at the same time, it probably should be situated in somewhere like Game Room now. Mm. But obviously, that service was was brand was brand new, and wouldn't that that mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily have the time period to actually fit within that? So, you know, as an, as an extra, just bolted on because most people are going to be buying this for Final Fight. And although there may be you know, people should write in if they, if there is somebody out there who went Magic Sword, awesome, and this Final Fight game, whatever. But Magic Sword. <laughs> Uh, it would be interesting to see, but no, I, I think it's really good. I think more companies should just have this stuff where you know they're like, well, it's basically just adding the ROM. Although you've done as much work, I guess, on Magic Sword as, as Final Fight with some of the sprite stuff. Yes, yeah, we did. Um, you know, we, we treated them both equally um, as much as we could. We do what we can. It's kind of like a pilot fish, sort of swimming in alongside Final Fight, and you don't really notice it, but uh, you know, it, it, it gets it gets nourishment as a result of basically hanging around the shark. Absolutely, and, and hopefully, you know, people give it a chance, play it through a couple of times, you know, it's a good few hours of entertainment. Hey, I finished it, and I think the, not enough people have been playing it, I really do want to get out there and say that everyone who's got Final Fight on my leaderboard, um, I think, when I beat Final Fight with you, Tony, I think we checked and I'd logged 51 minutes on the uh, game when I finished it, and the next guy down had logged 8 minutes, and that, yeah. that needs to be redressed, so... <laughs> Either that or I need more friends. And what's but, more scary is that they had almost the same amount of score as us. Yeah, but that's just because I die so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, one of the things that actually does pop into mind is, you know, the proper games themselves. How did Capcom approach you to, to do this game? Obviously, you have previous experience with Flock mm. with Capcom. But um, yeah. so, so what's that relationship like, and why did you end up having the opportunity to do Final Fight? Well, I mean, yeah, the relationship's been brilliant from from day one of Flock, um, and uh, it was way back in Leipzig, um, the Leipzig show in 2007, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, where we pitched Flock to Capcom, and that's that was our first um, contact with them. And um, it, even at that first meeting, um, Adam Boys, who's actually no longer working at, at Capcom US, um, he was the head of production, and he said, you know, they're only interested in starting up relationships they're not they're not going to uh just Bomb do the usual publisher thing yeah mm, yeah exactly mm. and we you know we were a little bit cynical but okay you know we'll see how it goes and turns out they were telling the truth 
Um, when, when, <laughs> I, I don't know if I sound in, shocked enough. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we delivered Flock and they loved it. We loved it. It got some really good reviews. Um, and they, the, they enjoyed the working relationship so much that they, they wanted to basically keep us to themselves. Um, and they did that by saying, Hey guys, uh, do you want to work on Final Fight? And we all kind of went, yeah. <laughs> What's the reaction like that when the, the call finally comes through? Is that, oh, yeah, would you like to work on a really you know, sought-after IP or respected IP? Yeah, it was pretty much ecstatic. Hell yeah, it's, you know, high fives all around. Um, also, yeah. looking at the team photo of you guys, you all seem to be sort of, you know, sing, well, I don't know about single, but definitely men in your 30s <laughs> who uh, probably hung around arcades a lot as uh, as youngsters, so I'd imagine there's quite a lot of uh, happy memories there as well. Oh, there's a, there's a lot of love for the, the old games there. I mean, what, one of the guys, one of the coders, comes in most mornings and fires up Virtue Cop in the morning. Nice. On his satin, has a little play, so... <laughs> um, so, was it actually Capcom's idea to, to basically spruce this up this much or did, basically did they give you say oh, what can you do with Final Fight and then let you go away and come back and say we can do all of this um, yeah it's pretty much the second one I'd say um, <laughs> they, it, it turns out they had a big list of things they'd like us to suggest mm-hmm. but they didn't show it to us yet, oh so. right so it was tell me what I'm thinking yeah pretty <laughs> <much>. <laughs> but still that's, that's good they were effectively sort of testing your abilities that's, yeah absolutely and and um, yeah, so we, we just went away, had a few thoughts, came back with this nice big list, and it matched almost exactly. So, did you think of anything which they were like, "Oh, actually, that's really quite good"? Uh, the marquee, I think, was was a surprise for them. Right. Um, you know, we we really kind of pushed for that to be included, um, and I don't think that was on their original list. So, how did the fan art uh, thing start? Well, basically, that was another thing that was on our little list that wasn't necessarily on Capcom's. Um, you know, the, the, again, it's the fan service. Um, it's people who remember this game fondly and giving something back to them. And, and just a quick trawl on Deviant Art was enough to show you that there was some really quality yeah. stuff out there, a really rabid fan base. And uh, we just thought, well, hang on, you know, we've got we've got all these uh, feats and mini achievements and yeah. things. Why not why not fire some of this content in? And there's a couple of guys on there. I would assume they're guys. They might be girls who really like Poison and Roxy. Oh yeah, <laughs> and what's not to like? And the uh, Street Fighter animated show. Oh yeah, truly a piece of work. <laughs> um, how yeah. did you come across that, or did you did they suggest that, or what? That was in that was in my research. Yeah, I, I, I'll take full credit for that. One. Well, thank uh, you for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can never unwatch that again. <laughs> I can now never play Street Fighter Two without thinking of that new haircut for Ryu with his punk costume. Um, <laughs> Was this? Did this come out about the same time as the GI Joe Street Fighter figures? And they were like, "Well, how do we market Street Fighter to kids via a cartoon?" Was that about that kind of time? It was around about that kind of time. Yeah. I, I, I love that the the beginning intro sequence. They go, "Look, Colonel Guile. He's got his his street fighting fighting force." And like, and it goes, <laughs> like, "Let's do a roll call." There's Blanca, the heroic Brazilian fighter. Chun Li, ass kicking female warrior. And all the others. <laughs> it's like it's just basically to stop like knee-jerk women, like Cartman's mother, going, "This is horrible." There's a green monster there, and they're beating up women. And uh, it's just like, no, no, we're just going to lay your fears. It's not all that violent. And yet, when it comes down to it, it kind of is because like um, Jessica gets slapped around quite a bit, and and <laughs> it's, there's like needless amounts of people being slapped about, and uh, it's well, it's and, and rockets being kicked. Yes. Which is good. So it's oh, yeah. to say then that Capcom's got a sense of humour. I mean, otherwise that stuff wouldn't actually be Yeah, they'd have said, you can't put that on there. 
Yeah, yeah, they weren't stony faced about it. They realised that you know what, this is this is cheesy and fun. Why not? And that sort of stuff really happens. I mean, uh, the Street Fighter 2 animated movie was in a kind of basic version uh, on the Street Fighter collection on the Xbox. I seem to remember the anniversary edition. But it, it very rarely happens that you actually get that kind of just like totally, hey, check this out, free Easter egg. And, uh, you know, really want to see that done more. Okay, let's, can we just talk a little bit about the, uh, the micro achievements where obviously, you know, they are exactly what I'm talking about here is, you know, you have the, the base achievement, which is obviously worth the gamer score or trophies. But the little micro achievements, the challenges that you actually do to, to kind of build towards the achievements are really fun and kind of like, well, can I beat this level in, in five minutes? How many continues can I use? You know, mm. Beat this level within five continues, don't lose a life. Helps for replays as well. Yeah, it was, it was really just like, because it's pretty quick. I mean, I've, how long could we play? 40 minutes, um, basically. 40 minutes. So, we, yeah, we pretty much you know, slammed through the game in 40 minutes. But yeah. uh, we were kind of having competitions against each other to see who could actually not die so many times and who could actually get uh, <laughs> as many points or not manage to eat an apple. And uh, that I really liked. It's another we, we very rarely have competitions who, of who can not eat an apple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> so how did that come about? Is that just, uh, just a, a way to kind of extend the gameplay? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, obviously we don't include um, a credit system, um, and that was very fundamental just to keep it accessible. Mm. Um, yeah, there's not a coin slot on the Xbox, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so we had to come up with, a, you know, an interesting way of extending the life of the game. Like you say, you want to replay it and beat these challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we came up with an ideal list. Um, and then, you know, that got tempered by the reality of the situation. Um, but we, we, we feel that we pick ones that are kind of classic gamey, kind of, like you say, what, what mates do to each other to challenge, challenge each other on a, on a level that they like. Uh, were there any absolutely ridiculous ones like playthrough on one credit, which were taken off? Yeah, most of the, um, playthrough in less than started off <laughs> impossible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm assuming you have to have someone on the team who can actually do it before you send it out there. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, they're all based on my times and performances, so if you beat them, you beat me. But I I will say that I averaged a few plays and, you know, uh, minus a few seconds or lives on on, on a few of them just to make them a bit more doable. But um, Hagar's the man if you want to be getting the achievements, I'll tell you that. That's true, yeah, he can just bulldoze his way through. I'm having some difficulty, um, first of all, holding on to lives, and secondly, beating it quick on the industrial section. Just, uh, Industrial's tough. There's, yeah, there's the lens was chucking grenades all over the place, he's a bastard. He's, he's a git, he's a git. There's a little cheeky spot in the top right corner of the flame section, actually. Oh, yeah. um, when the screen stops scrolling, uh, you can go in the top right and just kind of defend yourself. Unfortunately, there's only really room for one person, but it means... Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> I've read that when playing Final Fight on PSN, you need to be connected to the internet, even just for the single-player game, and this doesn't seem to have affected the 360 version, so was this Sony's choice? I don't know if it was Sony's choice, but it was definitely in response to the technical certification requirements. This wasn't something that we Mm -hmm. uh, decided to put in of our own volition. Um, And I think it was cleared up in um, in the European release, um, the the terms you know the the kind of the conditions of play were spelled out 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it was unfortunately it was left out in the the American and Asian releases. But I believe Capcom have issued a statement um, to the effect that they're going to fix that mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the explanation. I don't know about the actual issue. Right. So, so was that more like a DRM problem or? It's to do with the DRM. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. To, I believe it's to do with the game sharing on multiple accounts and things like that. Right. Okay. Are they, That's uh, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, I mean, the, the game sharing was a loophole that has been exploited quite a lot over the years. And it's, it, uh, do you suspect that there's going to be quite a lot more of this to uh, to come? Or um, uh, I, yeah, this this was a bit of an experiment from what I from what I've seen. You know, I mean, I've got a bit of an in. Well, actually, not to be fair, I haven't got that much of an inside view on it because it is very much the publisher and, and platform holders' decision. But um, from what I've been reading, it, it was it was certainly. Um, a, a tr- they were trying out a new method. Um, doesn't seem it was that popular. Mm-hmm. They might turn it down. We'll see. <laughs> well, I've got uh, at least one friend, Commander Tim, who uh, has, has sworn off buying it on the PSN purely for, for, for that reason. I have suggested he get it on the 360, but I think he's just sulking right now. Um, but, uh, but okay. He's afraid that you know, in, in a couple of years' time, they'll switch off the PSN or the or, or Xbox Live, and he'll never be able to play Final Fight again. I have yeah. suggested that there's a feasible possibility that Final Fight will be re-released at some point in the late future. But, uh, he, yeah, either way. And on top of that, enjoy life now. Yes! Don't worry about the future, enjoy it now. For the love of God, Final Fight is out right now, price 800 points, or $9.99 in, on the PSN. Right. Okay, uh, so the thing that strikes me the most about this release is the level of polish and freedom we have to customise how we play through uh, with uh, you got the filters, the music, the display size, etc. It's something uh, we would both like to see more in all future PSN and XBLA race releases, not just your own. Uh, is the pressure on for developers to really go one louder now that there are so many arcade classics already out there, uh, some of them pretty sloppily ported as well? We we certainly felt that we had to make a mark. Mm. Um, it's you know the company themselves are quite proud of what we put out, um, but you know it's not it's not often you get asked by Capcom to treat one of their you know, most fondly remembered franchises, uh, and you've got to do it respectfully. So we just wanted to do everything we could. You don't have to say anything um, uh, in answer to this one, but I'm going to uh, surmise that since you did a damn good job on Flock and you did a damn good job on this and everyone's playing it, that Capcom are going to, in the future, probably offer you something else. And I can only hope it's Mercs. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is I'm very hopeful too. Um. Where, where do you actually stand on something like Game Room? Obviously, you know, as we discussed, I think Final Fight would have been necessarily the perfect fit for for that. But, you know, is Game Room something where it's just going to be easy for someone like Capcom to, to stick a, a bare basic ROM there? So something like maybe uh, Magic Sword would have been more ideally fitted there. Mm. Or, well, as obviously I think if your company will be pushing forward, hopefully, doing something like Mercs. But, you know, I honestly don't think Mercs would be necessarily suited towards the Game Room. So do you have any uh, any feelings on Game Room itself? Um, I've not, I mean, I've, I've played a little bit of it myself, um, in my own time. And, and I think, you know, there's a certain competitive edge that, you know, mm. we feel that we've done like a nice bespoke job for this product. And mm. as, as people seem to be saying, it should, you know, seen as a bit of a benchmark. But, um, I think it's a, a lot down to how the, the IP holder views their, their, um, content that they, they want to mm. put out. You know, if they want to treat it with, um, respect and, and, and kind of, um, skill and, 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 just deliver what the fans, perhaps what they see them as deserving, then they'll go all out and do a kind of a double impact style thing. But yeah. th- there's nothing wrong with, with Game Room, and it, it, it may be bare bones, but it, I think at the same time it, it lets publishers release games that perhaps they wouldn't even think about re-releasing. 
like jungler. Um, but no, I, I really like the concept of Game Worm. I, I would love the idea of, of like my own little virtual arcade. That I, you know, it's just that the, the titles at the moment are the, the, not the least bit inspiring yeah. to me because it's not my generation. It's mm. just I wonder, I wonder where it fits because you know I think most gamers would probably like to see the Final Fight situation where you know every game that we dearly remember and love that is released and is given the respect that we think it deserves. Mm. But at the same time, Game Room does exist where I think more obscure titles should go in there. But then it's caught in the middle ground where nobody really wants to download. The, the obscure titles they never played before, yeah. so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't seem to be winning either way. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, because you know, something like Final Fight was well well in production, I guess, before uh, Game Room was even really announced. I mean, talking mm. about that, how how long did it take to actually put Final Fight together? I believe it was about nine nine to ten months project. Nine months to get your baby out there. Yeah. Um, okay, right. So the thing about Game Room for me that really bugs me, and this is not us me slagging off Game Room. I think it's got a lot of potential. Um, as, would I be right in saying it's 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 single player only, and effectively you can challenge other people to uh, games, and I believe you can play locally two player. But uh, one of the things that impressed me most about Final Fight was I could just jump on with a friend and just you know walk through the whole thing and 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 just chat away with you know it would jump in, jump out, um, you know. Multi- multiplayer action. I mean, just just the idea that that's not going to be present for anything that comes up in game room. Like, if if a version of Street Fighter Two turns up on game room, so you're playing on your own. Well, I don't think they're going to do that, are they? That's, that's probably. I mean, like I said, I think there's so many kinks that need to be ironed out, and we're kind of derailing. But just, I don't think we've really talked about game room much on the on the show. So yeah, no, we should we should probably do that at some later date, but. Uh, I, I would not be surprised of someone having a developer on here that has a possibility of kind yeah. of uh, you know understanding the, the ins and outs of bringing that, an old arcade game to to the forefront. I would not be surprised if Game Room uh, had a development in the future when two-player games start you know becoming more prevalent on their release uh, service and say now we have online connectivity, play with your friends online because otherwise they're shooting themselves in the foot. Gotta say because the the generation that's about to turn up if they're doing it in chronological order was big on multiplayer games. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know if you saw in the news the recent delays that they've just yeah. announced. I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of them, you know? Well, let's just hope that they've taken any, you know, constructive criticism on board and actually thought, well, maybe we kind of do have to do that, because, uh, mm. yeah. Um, okay. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> stepping aside away from Final Fight for a, for a second here, um, tell us a little bit about Proper Games, the company itself. How did they get started? And obviously, we know that you've developed Flock and, and now Final Fight, but what's the, the background history of Proper Games? Well, about four years, four and a half years ago now, I guess it is, um, Visual Science went under, and they were a pretty big company in Dundee, employed about 120 people, um, and they, they worked on things like um, Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup and F1 and, and Medal of Honor um, for EA. Um, so it's very unfortunate when they went under, but um, I was working there as a level designer and, and pretty much the core team at Proper, they were all working there in various positions, mm-hmm. and um, two companies came out of the ashes. Um, one's Cohort Studios, um, who are working on the shoot for PlayStation 3 on the Move, the move controller, mm-hmm. and then and Proper Games ourselves. And um, at the time, you know, it, it, the, the new consoles were quite new, and there was this new uh, market appearing with the, the downloadable games, and, and that's where we saw a chance. And how did Flock... Um, and I know it was critically well received, but it, was it um, a success financially to a degree? Um, I, I'll be honest, I don't really know. I don't think it um, got any of us royalties, but um, at the same time, it didn't do any disservice. <laughs> well, the, the only reason I ask is obviously it's quite an obscure idea, you know, shepherding sheep around 
uh, pens yes. with uh, space aliens. You know, it's, mm. it's not the normal thing you're jumping on. <laughs> not really. Um, well, I mean, right back at the start of Proper Games, we we were we had a, the very fortunate situation where we had quite a bit of funding to kind of figure out what we wanted to do, um, and we actually took three prototypes for Xbox Live around uh, pitching, um, not only to Leipzig, as I mentioned, but um, various publishers, um, and basically Flock was the one that, that continually got the the, the positive feedback. Um, it was just very charming and, and visually alluring and, and, and different. It was unique, but I think that was part of the appeal. Uh, one final question, then we'll ask you the five questions we ask everyone who comes on the show. Okay. If you can't tell us about future projects, you may be courting at the moment, which is likely, because unless you've got anything to announce right now. <laughs> no? <laughs> Didn't think so? Uh, can you tell us which three arcade games you personally uh, would like to work on bringing to contemporary audiences in a similar project to Double Impact? So even if they've been offered to you, we're just saying hypothetically. Hypothetically, three. And you don't have to say Mercs. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't going to. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Um, I think the Simpsons arcade game. Ooh. I remember playing that at Centre Parks when I was too young. Yes. Um, what else? I think. Hmm. That's a. It's a pretty good. There's so many Cadillacs yeah. and dinosaurs. Nice. Yeah. I'm a big sucker for the the side scrolling beat 'em ups. Yeah. Um. And you know what? I think personally. Um. Alien vs. Predator. Oh, another one. It's, it's just licensed hell. Yes, because you got, yeah. Well, I'm fairly certain you could probably buy the uh, license for Cadillacs and Dinosaurs for a pint yeah. of pint right now. But, but yeah, Aliens, Predator, hmm, always in motion. Simpsons. The Simpsons, I mean, there's so yeah. much stuff in that game which is now com- completely contradictory with the main show. Um, yeah. But uh, I th- they would still make bajillions from uh, just chucking it out there and... Uh, it would be really cool because you could fill it with like, like really like vintage looking Simpson stuff and sort of go right. Remember back in 1989 when this was new? <laughs> oh God! Now you've made me want to do that. Okay, right, yeah. Well, what yeah. would be yours then now, actually? So, me? I mean, Mercs, other than Mercs. Mercs. Uh, X Men: Children of the Atom. I, I loved that one. That was awesome. Uh, mm. And you know, because I know we've got Marvel vs. Capcom too, but I'd just like to see the original room of X Men: Children of the Atom, maybe with like some optional filters. I, I love that monitor filter you got there. Yeah, um, I had that on the Saturn, and it, it just was glued into the disc tray. Nice. I actually got a uh, an import Saturn so that I could get the uh, the Japanese versions of X Men versus Street Fighter, which would probably be my third one. But oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for some variety here. Let me ever think. Arcade games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd actually really like to see Killer Instinct made. Uh, oh, and, and I know we're, we're I know we're massaging um, Capcom right now, but uh, I think you know Rare currently working for Microsoft, and there's you know I don't think Killer Instinct was originally. You know, tied to Nintendo, was it? The actual arcade game? I can't remember. I don't think it was, actually. I was, it's, it's, it's funny that you mention it, because I'd forgotten it was an arcade game, even. Yeah, it was. there, And uh, Killer Instinct 2, which became Killer Instinct Gold on the N64. I mean, obviously, we, we've, we've gone for the most violent arcade games imaginable, apart from The Simpsons. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I, I think yeah, the, the, those have probably got some of the most you know, prevailing memories for, for, for me, those, that, that couple. Uh, it, also, specifically, on a side note, I'm currently trying to finish 50 games in 50 weeks. And every yeah. time I, I look at my list and go, Christ, I've got, tw- I've, you know, at the moment I've got like 23 weeks left. And if I'm six or seven games down, I, I just 
play through games like Final Fight, and it's like, yeah, there's one game, in, infinite continues, 40 minutes done. Now for Final Fantasy thirteen, 70 hours. But, uh, you know, arcade games are, are brilliant, you know, for just feeling that sense of completion, uh, as long as they've got infinite credits. I can't stand the whole idea of seven and then you're dead. Not these days, you know. I can't think of it, and necessary arcade games as such, but I'd love to see some some of the old home games, some of the old Amiga games. I'd love to see Settlers remade, um, which is weird, being as I don't really like RTSs, but then, yeah, <laughs> strange. Um, <laughs> cannon Fodder. I'd love to see Cannon Fodder. Yeah. Cannon Fodder would be great. see some great artwork for that. I don't know. Micro Machines on the Mega Drive. Oh. That was awesome. That was a brilliant game. Wouldn't that be amazing with the, you know, just drop in, drop out, four player? Yes. That would be a perfect arcade PSN title, yeah. Wii title. Yeah. What about, what about Arcade Perfect? And I mean Arcade Perfect. Daytona USA and Sega Rally. Now, wouldn't that be a pack? <laughs> I mean, it could even be a reality, but they're not going to do it. They could easily polish up Ridge Racer. Just the original Ridge Racer would just do, do Ridge Racer HD. Just the first one, you know, one course. Maybe if they felt like it gave you all the extra stuff you could do on the uh, the disc on it, but uh, that, that was an absolute classic, and it looks like dog's bollocks right now. Not I mean, the it, dog's bollocks, just bollocks. <laughs> but this is the point. I think you know we can we can think of any old title that we'd love to see done up in the way that you've done up Final Fight because mm. it's given that much love and respect and options. That, you know, if you want to play it with the original sprites, there you go. If you want something that just feels a bit more modern than all with the the arcade screen itself, there you go. I mean, that's that's the thing. I, even though I'd never played the game before, um, playing it with Alex over the sofa, it kind of felt like we we pulled our back our back ourselves. What twenty, what, 20 years? Twenty years, give or take. Yeah. And I have always wanted an arcade cabinet in my living room, and uh, <laughs> it just it felt like I was that much closer to it there. So thank you very much for that one. That's a pleasure. Okay, right. Five questions. Right. Number one: Choose two Desert Island games. You have power, but no internet connection. <laughs> Old school. Okay. Simpsons. Any of us predator. Super Mario World on the SNES. Nice. That's. I don't think we've had that one before. No. How have we not had that one before? It's classic. And that'll keep you going. Like going show, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, people who really like Rock Band and Halo. Oh, I don't know. Not without the <laughs> internet connection. No, Super Mario World mainly because I never got all the stars. I never got to the secret star road and. And you know what? If I'm going to die on this on this desert island, I'd quite like to have yeah. accomplished that much. <laughs> we didn't um, say we were going to die. I mean, you're just going to be there for your entire life and then die. Oh, well. I see what you mean. <laughs> um, and a second game. Hmm. I can't. I, I want to say something like um, Sim City or um, maybe maybe not. Maybe Rome Total War. Mm-hmm. Something that you can play over and over and over and. Something to make you feel like there's a world out there beyond the the, the horizon of this this desert island. Um, really thinking about it, you're actually yeah, getting into your less, own head at this point. A lesser violent <laughs> world, but hey, yes. <laughs> In fact, I said uh, uh, Little Big Planet for mine because I was like, yeah, because I just basically want to just keep making art and little levels and just something to keep me sane, so, so something yeah. creative. So I suppose that's the same similar situation. Third one. Oh no, you said, I said choose two. We used to be three, now it's two. Okay, number two. What was your worst gaming experience ever? My worst gaming experience ever? Hmm. <laughs> it was, it wasn't that the game was bad, it was just the experience. Um, Sega Rally Championship on the Saturn. Uh-huh. Okay, so I've been practicing and practicing and practicing and I, I took the Saturn to school. And we, we always won. a bad idea, but carry on. Always a bad idea. It's not as bad as that sounds. It was just my pride that was hurt. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> and so we had a competition, and and there was a kid who reckoned he was pretty good, and and all I'd ever practiced in was the Corolla, and uh, so we had a we had a race, and and he chose the Stratos, mm-hmm. and he was really good, and thrashed the pants off me by about a minute and a half. Oh. Felt like he cheated. <laughs> was it just a time trial, or were you actually literally racing against him? Um, it was split screen. Split screen. So basically, he had to just sort of sit back and watch you finish. Yeah. Ooh. Sorry. And everyone else was watching. Yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty high on our worst experience. <laughs> okay. Forgiven. Uh, question three: Is there a trend in the industry you wish you could do away with? I think it would be hating on casual games. Yeah. If that could be called a trend, it's almost like an anti-trend, isn't it? Mm. Um, Explain it. Basically, I see all these wonderful light, um, low investment games. You know, these things you can pick up and just really enjoy for thirty seconds to, to ten minutes to half an hour, whatever you want to do, and, and they're being called casual games. You know, um, and and there's a lot of hate on them. I, I just see, I, I read a lot of negative articles. You know, discussing how oh, Facebook's um, you know taken away from the the core games industry and the Wii's destroying Nintendo's hardcore image and all this kind of thing, and it's like you know what? As long as they keep putting out Super Mario Galaxy type games, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a happy guy, and I don't see them stopping doing that. So I'd love it if everyone just kind of stopped whinging. What's your favourite piece of gaming music? Uh, that's an interesting one. I've got a long kind of passionate history with gaming music mm-hmm. um, but I think the the one that left the biggest impression on me was stage 5 of Res the first time I played it yeah. um, I actually have that it's yeah it's Adam Freeland mm-hmm. and it's called Fear Don's mm-hmm. Magical Edit Remix or something like that mm-hmm. and just I'd played through the entire game in one sitting the first time and I was completely entranced and then this particular level, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played it, and they should get the HD version on Xbox Live because it's sublime. But um, it was the closest thing I've ever... It's the closest to kind of a transcendental experience, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I actually had shivers running down my spine when it happened. Jesus! Seven, seven and a half minutes of just... Yeah, it's long. Yeah, of, of just amazing um, experience. And, and the track is a long track. But um, the the level that and the memories that it brings back for me, would, uh, they're just vivid even now. I can I can imagine myself in that cold room in halls when I was playing it at university, and it was on a tiny little fourteen inch Samsung screen, you know, with tinny tinny speakers that vibrated when the bass got too loud. But it just it just didn't matter. It was just amazing, and I and I came out of a trance when that game finished, and uh, didn't really do anything for the rest of the evening. Tell me you didn't have the trans vibrator attached. No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to go there. But, you know, I think you've almost sold Res to me. I've never really been able to get into it before, but that's that's a pretty starry-eyed account of it. Yeah, I mean, it it does actually build up, and I think that's the whole idea of that final level, is you've had all this chaos building up into it, and it kind of starts off like that, but then everything's kind of peaceful and flattens out until it kind of ramps up again right at the very end. But like I say, it's a long level, but I've got it out. You should come. Yeah, actually, you're around this weekend. We should play well, you know what? I will. I will. Okay. <laughs> Final question. Okay. It's a. It's a. Well, that's an easy one. Where will gaming be five years from now? <laughs> In my pocket. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's that's not a bad answer. Carry on. Um. Yeah, I think. Well, I I can't wait to see what Nintendo's next handheld is. I mean, for me, that's where the excitement is. 
I would, I would imagine a 3DS. I think I predicted that about a year ago, and they're, they're just about <laughs> not announcing it. They have, haven't they? Yeah. I'm, I'm just, yeah, a little bit giddy about that, you know. Um, and, and I think that's, that's where it's going to happen. I, 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 I don't know about five years, but you know, I think eventually you'll just have a console that you, you plug into a screen and it'll travel around with you. It's not, not some box under the telly. I'm hoping for some Ray Charles style Master System glasses for my console. <laughs> I think I think we're going to see a 3DS game from Proper Games. Ah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Marvelous. Cool. Okay, well, was, was that your first podcast ever? Um, well, um, if it, yes and no. Um, a, fr- a friend of mine does podcasts every week. Oh, right. Um, and he, we just kind of gas about games, um, and he's he's basically starting up a little, you know. Um, portal himself, so he writes a bit about them and we do a podcast. Well, that's, what's it called? I'll download it, them. It's called um, geekgasms.org. <laughs> <laughs> Not my choice. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, check it out, see what you think. It's it's done okay. on a rock band microphone. Um, he has yeah. ordered a new one though, so <laughs> it should get the sound quality will get a little bit better. Okay, okay so geekgasms. Yes, dot org. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on, Andrew. Thank Seriously. you very much. It's been fantastic, uh, and we hope you will uh, come on again whenever we, whenever you are, have got the ability to talk about whatever uh, proper games are talking about next. In a heartbeat. <laughs> and if you folks at home stick around till after the break, Tony and I will be talking about Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell Conviction. Last week, Tony and I finally finished Sam Fisher's latest adventure, and we're both champing at the bit to talk about it. So let me say straight off that uh, playing through the demo on this kind of just got me frustrated and annoyed, and I I think it's just because I hadn't got the hang of what we were supposed to be doing. Uh, Uh, I was exactly the same with you. I remember I I played the demo, and this was something that we saw at E3, and we were really excited about. Yeah. I mean, PAX, we saw someone playing, I was really excited for it, and then the demo came out, and Honestly, I was very disappointed. I, I was like, it's, it's not why I was still being spotted, still being killed. Uh, yep. I felt like the, the routes that I could take were, were kind of cut off and I was only being led down one direction. It, it seemed that I had to machine gun my way through. But if I did that, then I died. And I, I got very confused with it and I actually mm. was considering not even picking it up. How many times do you think you died on the uh, demo? I, I don't know, maybe half a dozen times before I probably... Uh, I mean, I, I completed it a couple of times, and I think the first time was, frust- was just frustration. The second time was kind of working out what the game was about now, and, and the third time was more about, you know, experimenting. But I wasn't really blown away by it. But then uh, what basically drove you to not just rent it, but buy the thing? Strangely. <laughs> and here's I mean, that's, a, that's quite a jump. Yeah, and... A shout out to Frugal Gaming here. They they stuck a post up on on Twitter saying that if you take um, Call of Duty um, Modern Warfare 2 to your local blockbuster, you can get Splinter Cell Conviction for fifteen pounds. And I was like, well, that's a good deal. I mean, how can, how bad can it be? So um, I actually popped down there, and, and that's how I ended up uh, buying it. I mean, I probably would have rented it anyway. I don't think I'd been put off that much. Yourself? I mean, you got it from SWAT Game, I assume. I did. Um, I ended up getting it because I was late with my request. SWAT Game are fantastic if you have one slot open 
um, two, three days before the game actually comes out because you get it early. I've got Super Street Fighter 2 right now. Uh, but if you have, if you get your game in slightly late, they've already sent out all of the, the, the copies. Uh, so you could be waiting a while for it. And I completely understand that. And, and that's just kind of how it goes. And if you really want something, best to make sure you get one back soon. But, um, no, I, I, I got it and late and I was already, like everyone was already playing it. I think you'd already gotten through the uh, co-op mode. Um, but the second I started playing it, I got a boner the size of a tent pole that wouldn't go down. I was like, oh my god, this is Splinter Cell as I have always wanted it to be. Well, imagine a tent pole or a tent peg. <laughs> a tent pole. Okay, right, the first thing that struck me, and this this was actually from a Penny Arcade cartoon, was the ridiculous exposition at the beginning when uh, they sit down uh, one of Sam Fisher's associates and he goes through something that in a Bourne film would be like really, you know, serious dialogue delivered by a world-class actor like Brian Cox, um, but, you know, written in a way that was very sparing and just told you what you needed to know. Um, but this was it was done in, in, in like, the, like a caricature of a Tom Clancy novel. Uh, I'm, I'm going to quote directly from Penny Arcade here. But what Sam didn't know was everything. When he was at White Box fighting Black Arrow and the Green Clovers had already infiltrated Fourth Echelon. That's right, there was a total other echelon that he didn't even know about. The Secretary of Spy Things was in on it the whole time. It was a double conspiracy which made it true. Its purpose? To detonate a high-yield, low-altitude nuclear EMP terrorist dirty pulse bomb inside the President's Internet. And you know what? That's pretty much a direct quote from the game because it is, it's just that the whole way through it. So I kind of had to tune that out and go, okay, right, Sam Fisher's mad. His daughter's been killed and then he's been set up and he's being manipulated and he gets calls from people who are clearly manipulating him. And I'm just... yeah, isn't, isn't this where Splinter Cells come, though? Isn't it? I mean, yeah. This is, what, Splinter Cells? 75? Yeah. It's, 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 it's uh, standing on the shoulders of many, many similar Tom Clancy novel-style you know, well, literally Tom Clancy created universe that you kind of have to take all these conspiracies and things in, in, in hand. But and, and they start all to bed in with each other because obviously they refer to Black Arrow, which then goes back to Rainbow Six. And, like, you know, there's, there's all the crossroads. Oh, was that the same Black Arrow? Yeah, there's, there's Ghost Recon. <laughs> and it, it just goes all over the place. So I'm, I'm kind of imagining plots. Hang on, was Ghost from Modern Warfare the ghost from Ghost Recon? I, I don't even know anymore. Was he the it, ghost being reconned in Ghost Recon? I, I think this is the problem with all Tom Clancy's games now. They, they've made one great big universe for themselves, but the, the problem is, as you're watching the game, it's like, well, all these elements from all these different stories, and I'm starting to imagine stories that haven't even really existed by this point. Hmm. So, But, I mean, yeah, I mean, the plot aside. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's like a, a bad born. You take that away, the actual gameplay... I think you, you said it was very similar to Batman Arkham Asylum. I could totally see where you're coming from on that one. Um, predatory mechanic as opposed to straightforward stealth. And, and that changes everything. And obviously a lot of Splinter Cell fans have been up in arms saying, this is not Splinter Cell anymore. Where, where, where? You know what, guys? This one's for us. Yeah, I mean, let, then let's get, get that out of the way. I mean, there's, there's a number of people, and I know uh, Ditch from the gamer scene has been very vocal about, you know, this isn't the Splinter Cell that, you know, I, I wanted. You know, I, I grew up with these Splinter Cells of, you know, hide in the shadows, you aren't the predator, you're the guy. What's it? You, you're being... Shat upon, I believe, is the term. <laughs> Quite. Keep yeah, you, the same. You're not really Keep the predator, but you're the one that's lurking in the background to get through the missions. Um, and you know, I, I actually do understand that. That It is quite a shock, but at the same time, I think we're seeing companies taking these franchises that have been going for many years and needing to, to stick, you know, a, a, a rejuvenate them. Because I, 
I didn't play the last Winter Soldier game. Because well, no, I was going to mention, actually, because they yeah. did try to change things around for that one. They gave it sort of diverging storylines, depending on what you did, allegiances with different factions. Um, but ultimately, it was still just Splinter Cell. I mean, you could be a little bit more brutal, you could get away with a bit more, but there were still absolutely enforced stealth sections, timed stealth sections, where you had to sort of go in there, pick locks, do, like, uh, computer hacking, get stuff done, you know, record people's voices, and if anybody saw you, the whole thing was buggered. And Which it was just like... I made a mistake, reload. I made a mistake, reload. I made a mistake, reload. It's not about, you know, making sure you weren't seen. It's just about, okay, so I was seen there, I'll reload. And I hardly reloaded at all in this one. But, I mean, it, that concept itself is ridiculous because it, it, it's always funny the way that you could spend, you know, an hour getting inside the deepest part of the base. You get seen and it's like, well, you know... You, a mission aborted, you're going to have to leave. Was what I've well, I'm so practically touching the files you sent me in to get. Oh, no, you've been seen. I'm aborting the whole mission, and so, I'm killing your family as well. So, if anything, this is a bit more realistic. If you if you get you know seen doing something, you can generally get yourself out of the situation by you know maybe yes getting into a full fledged firefight, but that's only the means to really escape and, and re uh, attack from a different angle, not just mm. being pulled out. But there's a, a striding sense of purpose to this game. It's uh, he, he's he's pissed off and he's up for revenge and he's just sort of barging through the levels. Obviously, he's still very quiet and very uh, cautious and, and and able to basically run rings around these idiots with their flashlights and their loud, stupid voices saying, "Where's Fisher? He's not over here. I'm not coming out yet." Ah! And it's and and you're just like, right? Well, if you'd just be quiet and turned off your flashlight, <laughs> I wouldn't even know where you were until I got the sonar goggles later on and I could see you in the Dog. But no, they, they they pretty much say, I'm here, come and kill me! And I feel like, well, the Batman, which is great, you know, because that's, that's my kind of game. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I'm going to assume that most of our audience have seen Spin to Sell stuff and, and understand where it's coming from, mm. but you know, obviously... Um, it always felt like you were driving a car. And that, that was... Uh, um, a pro, uh, that was levelled at... Uh, no, the... Um, Original Splinter Cells. That was a uh, complaint leveled up. Do you remember Obi Wan on the original Xbox, where you hold, yeah, you hold down the trigger button to move forwards, and then you sort of rotate on your axis by pressing left and right, which made you feel like you were driving an Obi Wan shaped car. But with Sam Fisher, he didn't have any fluidity to him in the original Splinter Cell. He was very like blocky and awkward, and although he could do that really cool jump up and put both feet on either side of a wall and then just sort of hang there, that was cool. He just didn't seem that agile uh, or, or mobile. See, I, I kind of disagree. I, I think this game is just an evolution of the franchise. I've actually got nothing against the previous games. In fact, I remember playing the original Spin Cell um, back on the Xbox and mm. being utterly blown away by it. And of course, back then, you know, we didn't, you know, full stealth sections were somewhat of a, a new thing. Obviously, Metal Gear Solid was yeah. playing around with the stuff as well. And this was always, oh, oh well, you know, a, a different. Because some people love Spin Cell, some people love Metal Gear Solid, and there's never really anybody like either or. You know, both both at the same oh. time. Except you. Yeah, and if anything, I actually kind of preferred Splinter Cell. Ah, well, that's when Metal Gear 2 came out, so you're forgiven. Yeah, I was on, on, on that camp. So I, I, I think this is more just an evolution of the franchise. I think basically what, what happened here was, you know, stuff like Bourne has come out. And even Metal Gear Solid 4 was a testament of that, the fact that, you know, full stealth doesn't really work as a franchise now and they knew that they had to make it uh, a slightly more approachable where you could actually still open up with a, you know an AK and and get through situations if you choose to do so and I, I think this is where um, Smith Cell Conviction shines for me um, 
I believe that, that there is, actually is, at the very core of this game, the old Splinter Cell running through it. Mm. I think if you put it up on realistic difficulty, and you want to take the time to actually pick each individual person off, you can. Now, obviously, with Mark and Execute being available, which uh, is the conceit of if you uh, manage to take down somebody with a melee kill without them seeing you, you have, you have then the ability to mark people. Uh, and if you get, come in range, you can take them down really, really fast, with basically with a, a one-button press. Um, so you can, I think the later guns are the 5-7, you can mark four people, basically wander, walk into a room, press one button, and all four of those people go down in very kind of Bourne-esque style. Mm. But you don't have to do that. Um, if you wanted to play it like an old Splinter Cell game, you can, and I found myself doing this quite often, one by one take down the guards and still experience that. Um, some of the later levels um, doesn't always work because they suddenly throw so many people at you that you have to then go into to full combat mode. And playing on realistic doesn't always work in that case because a couple of hits and you're down so that the odds don't seem so fair. But I think for probably the majority of 75% of the game, you can choose to do that. But the highlight is for you, Al, which I'll let you describe now, where you don't have to do that. And this is what's been liberating to you. Uh, as in specifically the mark and execute or the, the... Just the fact that you can break out a weapon. Yeah, well, no, yeah, you can actually like just... You have to be in the shadows all the time. <laughs> See, I've, I've... You say that like I was just running around with an AK-47 plastic. <laughs> no, but... but... Most of the time I really was trying to stick to the rules and, and trying to really keep out of sight. The ideal uh, method would be to keep out of sight, kill one guy... Yeah. crawl around you know, and take out three more guys and then when the anybody who's uh, still around comes running for you disappear and then drop down kill one more of them uh, by hand which basically allows you to just keep giving this sort of knock-on effect uh, of, of being able to stay on top of things it actually reminded me um of a you know a lot a lot more of a um a well-adjusted for, for difficulty goldeneye do you remember how that was one of the first action games where you could use silenced weapons that wouldn't alert other people mm-hmm. and yep. if you made sure alarms didn't go off then no other guards would come running and obviously if, if you put goldeneye straight onto our consoles right now it would be archaic i mean a perfect dark is to a degree but um the 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 actual evolution of that seems to be like like husband uh, self-conviction just sort of rewarding you for being quiet but not punishing you Gallingly, except for in one section, for not being quiet and 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 just allowing you to recover from it. Yeah, and I know that you you certainly didn't like the the enforced stealth sections. No, although was you one. could yeah. although you could actually play the game, you know, in many respects with those enforced stealth sections throughout the entirety of the, yeah. your adventure. Um, there is one level in particular, which wasn't it the car part level you found. Yes, it was the the one where you're trying to break into the basically CIA headquarters, and it's like once you get past this bit, you're all right. But um, no, because previously on th- on Metal Gear Solid, if you get seen, you aren't supposed to kill them all, and then everything's okay. You're supposed to go and hide in a locker, and um, it it just basically it's so much more refreshing to just be able to you know cap them all quickly using uh, in, uh, intuition and, and improvising and uh, and just go, right, well, that's what I was supposed to do. They will get dead and I can now continue, as opposed to just sort of, you know, you've got to go and hide. You, you know, you're being punished by being made to wait, effectively. Well, there was a story conceit to that. I mean, you, you're not meant to be killing the law, the people that were actually really on your side, where, mm. you know, instead of terrorists. So, it, it, I mean, story-wise, it does make sense. But, I mean, the, the fact that you couldn't even take out cameras. If you could take out cameras in that bit, you'd be like, wow, okay, I'll just carefully move around them, get rid of the cameras, and then or distract them with stuff. I mean, other than just a car alarm, which was really... It was boring in the end. Because it's like, well, I run over there, I get caught. I take this guy out, I get caught. I run over there, I get caught. And it's like, just 
that was the only bit of sort of save reload, save reload, so save reload, which reminded me very much of the earliest Splinter Cell games, which obviously I was playing badly. But what I mean, not to just to, to gloss over the, the kind of mark and execute, just saying, well, it's the easy button. There, there's actually certain sections where you'll, you'll be marking three or well, three guys in a room, mm. and you'll see one guy below you, and if you can time it perfectly, you can drop down on this guy, then pull out the mark and execute, and kill four people within four seconds. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's almost like an evolution of the Batman stuff, you know, that you'd be taking down one person, and then, you know, making them wander towards those bodies to take them out a second time. Yeah. This, it kind of just, it deals away with all that again. I mean, it, it is slightly the win button, but it's so empowering. Uh, and it's, it's rare that a game like this that's been in production for as long as it has comes away feeling so whole. You know, the, um, you, you could imagine it would feel like okay, they've really clearly redesigned this whole section from the, the you know from the ground up, or had to cut huge bits out here because this doesn't make any sense. Um, it, it just it feels like they they made this fairly swiftly. It's almost a, did they actually go straight back to the drawing board when they actually scrapped the one with him with the long hair? Yeah, pretty much. The first I mean, I, yeah, I, I, there was obviously it's based on the Assassin's Creed engine. Yeah. Uh, first time round, and I I think it was meant to be a, a lot more free roaming. Um, hmm. And they've kind of done away with that. Although a lot of that stuff still exists, you can still kind of slide over tables and yeah. and jump through windows. And um, I mean, I, that's one of my favourite things in the world is actually using the ability you being noisy instead of always just being the sneaky guy. Mm. You can actually just open up an AK-47 and go, "I'm over here, leave your shadow." Yes. And and then run away, which I never really got from the demo. That always ended up getting me uh, killed. But uh, in this, it works fantastic. You you find yourself opening up, telling, "Come over here," and then just wandering right behind them and strangling. And the uh, achievements and uh, abil- you know, abilities that you can unlock are all predicated upon you doing things which you wouldn't otherwise be doing. And they're pretty much instructing you, look, look, if you take a human shield and you kill three guys, you'll get an achievement, so why not try doing that? And it just it makes the game more varied as a way of getting through it, which is great. Like what, I, what I will say outside of the combat, because I'm actually, I was pleasantly pleased with the combat and surprised by the combat in, in many respects. And I, I'm not too sure I want to see it go back down the old Splinter Cell uh, way. I, I think they could maybe do a bit more with the, the difficulty levels, maybe put a, almost like a, a Splinter Cell level above realistic level, which really wouldn't allow you to be yeah. detected. I mean, it should definitely be selectable that, that, that yeah. you, if you want to be punished that much. Um, well, there, there are people who will actually, you know, rent themselves out to you if you, if you really want to be punished that much. But, uh, uh, yeah, but the, just, you know, classic, just, just call it classic difficulty. Yeah. You know, right. You know, we are going to smack you upside the head every time you make a mistake. Every time that you are even slightly seen and, you yeah. know, your shadow is cast across the ground. Is, I, I'm all for that being selectable, but I'm also all for it being not necessarily exactly. what we all have to play. But, I, I think the highlight outside of that for me is actually I really like the way that they presented the story. Now, I don't think the story is anything to write home about. I mean, Conspiracy, presidential, assassination. That's just three and, words. Yeah, and, and there's, there's, I mean, it actually does take a few interesting... Washington, things. EMP. It does take... <laughs> Washington's always been EMP. Friggin' EMP's up the yin-yang. Was this the first game where they didn't say EMP? You mean electromagnetic pulse? <laughs> Because that gets that gets explained so many times that if they still have to explain it, you're too dumb to know what electromagnetic pulse would even do. I think popular culture has surely taken out. Surely we know. But what um, it is. yeah, I mean, not really want to spoil any and any spoil any of the story. Uh, there is some interesting plot twists in there, but I love the way it's presented. I'm not necessarily blown away by the stuff on the walls. I, I think that's perfunctionary. It's a nice little trick. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I know that I need to go through this door over here because mm. game, years of game design has told me that there's two people standing by a door. Mm. I probably need to go through that door. Um, but the actual 
just not just the pace. It's it's the cut between each scene. It's it's the the continued camera shots. Um, just the way that it seems to all blend in mm. into each other. It feels more like a film. There's actually a, an, an interesting comment I, I saw on Twitter saying, "Could you imagine Heavy Rain kind of presented more like this?" Because you know we, we all bitched and moaned about the you know the control issues uh, and taking away the, the button presses. I kind of think it's an, an interesting blend of actually kind of portraying a story without necessarily having to take away the entirety of the control of the player. Well, yeah, and just the movement of, of Fisher himself. I never felt that he was as wooden and marionette as the uh, the guys in Heavy Rain. Yeah, and it, it kind of it blends more towards something like um, Uncharted 2. I think the, mm, actually, the, pres- yeah, yeah. the presentation of the story stuff and the control of the character, it starts to actually feel like, okay, I am playing a movie of sorts. Well, you know, we aren't quite there, and I think it, it, it does a better job than something like Heavy Rain itself. Mm. That's that's true actually. I mean, there's a there's a certain amount of um, uh, breaking the illusion that will occur if you make your game frustratingly awkward to control. That'll make you go, no, I'm not playing a movie, and uh, I'm not in control at this point. Effectively, I'm just watching a magic show. But we'll we'll leave heavy rain. Yeah, no, yeah I, just, I, I just I mean to finalise that point. I think it's more to do with the fact that you know I, I mentioned there that you know where you were actually going into into like the and headquarters where you weren't allowed to kill people. I mean mm. that itself is is the story. It doesn't. Um, um, and you know, actually, the game is is so agile and so well presented that you can't actually feel that you are watching this film whilst whilst actually playing. It. And I think that's just the, the better method. To so I don't, I, I don't hear games referred to as agile often, but you're absolutely spot on with that description. It, it is. It's uh, uh, elegant almost. Negatives. What sucked about this game? Mm. Well, I, I think anybody that um, wants it to be Splinter Cell Classic 101 Splinter Cell will probably find many things to, to be upset about it. I mean, for me, I would have loved to have seen Spy versus Mercs in the multiplayer stuff. It seems a really ridiculous submission on, on their part, and I can only imagine it's, it's for technical reasons. But, um, I mean, you, there's so much you can do. I mean, there's, there's co-op. Um, play there's there's one versus one play but there's just you know there's not two versus two spy versus mercs any uh, word on DLC oh, they better not pay for that <laughs> be 800 terrible. points they're, they're doing the normal thing is that you you know they'll pass DLC down the, the tubes for us to buy I'm sure but um, I don't know negative wise I, uh, the, the demo yeah <laughs> you can't blame the demo it was I mean they probably would have been better off just giving you that first section when you're starting off as uh, mm. as Fisher. I mean, that basically that was the bit where they maybe go, "Oh yes, actually, I really like this game" because it, it kind of tells you what to do. I mean, everyone hates playing demos where they just literally say, "Oh, look up! Oh, you're looking up now!" But um, holding your hand at that point is crucial because you to be able to act uh, that quickly and that fluidly, uh, you need to be you know kind of shown. Yeah, and, and that's what the demo done. It kind of threw you in the deep end. And, yeah. You know, as it was, I was, uh, as I said, I think in the previous show, I was throwing a grenade and, instead of reloading, and that was just frustrating yeah, because yeah. nobody had really. I mean, I think they briefly told me, but I wasn't given time to necessarily learn the controls. I was just given a room yeah. of, you know, six people and told to get through. I actually remember playing that bit in the game as well. I'm thinking it, I was slightly underwhelmed by that whole section yeah. itself. So it's almost like they picked the worst bit. Yeah. For me, negatives were just uh, the the enforced stealth section just was boring because I I what it, it restricted to the point of annoyance. It, it should have given. I really like the fact that I was able to improvise my way through a lot of the levels and, and just go right. Well, I wonder if I just sort of jump up it. I, it took me a while to work out that I could jump over the side of the um, 
uh, car park and just sort of run along sideways along the rail. Um, because I kept getting caught in the camera or getting seen by a guy or like thinking, well, do I have to just take one guy out and then the other guy won't see me? And But it bottlenecked my options. And I just ended up sitting there going, well, what do you want me to do then after just too many times? And there was one more moment later on in the, um, in the White House. Uh, no spoilers here, but it's just after you met... <laughs> no spoilers. White House. There's a White House. Fuck it. It's always a White House in these things. It's a White House. That's all. Um... Well, you've just met the vice president. Oh, I've given it away. <laughs> and um, uh, th- th- a bunch of guys came flooding into the room, and um, I, j- I just I-, I-, I killed them all on the second go, and got out, and then got hit by a smoke trap and dogpiled and died. And then I just kept dying on the first section over and over again. It was like I've done this. I actually finished it. And it felt so annoying and so unfair that there was no checkpoint that said, okay, yeah, you did that, but that was hard. Uncharted 2 would have saved it at that point. Um, and I, I don't know whether they just thought, fuck it, you know, do two in a row. But it was, um, it just didn't feel right because I eventually ended up just trying to exploit um, glitches and, and just going, you know what, if I stand in the little room to one side and just lean out and shoot one guy my silhouette appears and they think I'm standing by the doorway and then they go over and look at the silhouette but they don't actually have that line of programming that says I wonder if he's actually inside the room and then they just go he's not here just a box and then they wander off um, and so they come back out and kill one more of them again and just slowly work my way through that and then I died after 20 minutes of eking my way through the guys which is obviously not what you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do is kill one guy then move very swiftly out of the, where, the flashlights of the other guys cap three of them disappear into the shadows kill uh, kill one guy again by hand cap three of them and just rinse repeat I mean that's, that, that's what you've been doing the whole game but the point was that again they bottlenecked my options and they made it so that doing anything else would just get you grenaded and shot to pieces i think you said you just spammed grenades at that point yeah i i, I, I basically used all my um gadgets mm. by that point i mean i had sticky cameras i was whistling them over i was doing proximity mines and and you know flashbangs everything at that point because mm. it was clearly coming towards the end of the game but i mean i actually don't i think you and me differ slightly in the way that we approach games anyway i actually don't mind the challenge of, of something different within a game I, I can see how it's frustrating but I, I like basically working down options it's like okay well I got spotted going to the right mm. let's go to the left and I don't mind repeating stuff over and over again until I, I work that, that perfect route and I, I think that's actually something you know, getting completely off point here for a sec but that, that is something where I think a lot of us gamers are becoming Pussy would be the wrong word. <laughs> Complacent. We're, we're coming pretty wimpy with our stuff. I mean, it's almost like we want everything to be handed to us on a on a platter. It, it's like, well, I just want to go through this first time, and how dare you kill me? We want it to um, cinematic, effectively. Well, yeah, and I, I think maybe that's where Splinter Cell falls down on its ass a bit, is because up until that that car park level and up until that final um, section, I didn't didn't really have too much trouble on. But it, it, it they were they stood out because everything else was so smooth. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there is. Uh, I'm getting this perception now that people don't like dying particularly, which is understandable. But you know, that is for me some of the enjoyment of the game is trying to work out what to do in a situation. But, so you're kind of uh, a hurt me plenty guy. Yeah, but I, I, under, I do understand because I did die once on that um, place, and I was like, well, that's a stupid checkpoint because I had cleared, you know, I'd say 15 guys at that point, and you know, if you've done that many, then surely at this point. Um, you could give me a bit of a break, but I mean that's right by the end, so uh, yeah. they probably just wanted you to kind of experience the whole section in one. 
But I mean, neg- I mean, negatives actually for me is the AI is dumb as fuck. It there's, is. There's no getting away from that. But I, that's obviously on purpose. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think <laughs> Ubisoft don't have people that are quality AI programmers. If the government are employing people uh, who are that <laughs> stupid, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm not. The government always. They're giving them firearms. I'd be surprised if they're able to point them in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> so that's about the only negative for me. And like I said, I think the presentation of it is is the stuff that I was really outstanding by. And you know, it, I haven't really enjoyed a game quite so much in in a long time. Just like pure enjoyment, just coming home and going right. I'm going to jump around, land on someone, and kill three people in you know in, in two seconds. Um, and that's not even talking about the the multiplayer stuff, which. Although you know, spy versus mercs isn't there. There's there's plenty to do. I mean, the, mm. the I think there's four co-op levels, um, which I mean, we played a couple together. Yeah. Now and, um, a co-op mode is good. It's uh, it's brisk, yeah. and you just working two t- together and uh, going, you know, taking out guys at the same time is is, is yeah. It's it's what um, co-op's all about. Yeah, and I, I would I'd like to see that kind of uh, co-op just as highly polished as the main game almost, just yeah. without the plot. But it's liberating again because I mean I've, I've been in situations where there's been eight people in the room and we've all got you know our marks all set up because we planned it mm. and just both jump down in the centre room at the same time and all you know eight people die at once mm. and because it was just a perfect you know scenario or a perfect conjoining of talents mm. and it's it's the the things like the the guards on the first absolute first section of that car level you can choose to kind of take them down or you can do the the classic right I'll go for the right you go for the left one two three hit. Click. And they both collapse down at the same time. Utterly, utterly enjoyable. Um, Hunter, I think, is is really fantastic as well because that's actually, if you're an old Splinter Cell fan, uh, that kind of plays to your talents more um, in the respect that if you get seen, they add 10 people on. So you, you basically have 10 people to clear out of a room and then they add another 10 people on if you get seen. So it's, it's in your best interest to actually take them down as stealthy as possible. And there's an achievement in that where you've got to clear an entirety of the realistic level without being seen once. I would co- conceivably end up with a hundred guys in one room. <laughs> no, it actually maxes out. If you get seen once in one room, it only maxes out to 20. Okay. Thank God, otherwise it would just repeat and repeat and repeat. <laughs> once you've got it would be like The Matrix. Just a um, hundred identical guys all shouting, You get an old Fisher! And he is. I mean, the. So yeah, I mean, I, I, overall, I think the, the game's fantastic. If you're a fan of the series, I think there's there's still plenty more in here for you. I, I don't know if it's, it's going the right way that real hardcore Splinter Cell fans uh, want it to, but in the same way that I think uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 decided that it was going to you know evolve in its gameplay, I think this has to evolve to, to stay alive. But um, see, I don't think. Looking back on it, I don't think the uh, gameplay evolution of Metal Gear Solid 4 is what struck people. The length of the cutscenes was so ridiculous. So ridiculous. If it had been edited down to be half as much as it actually was, I think people might have focused on the gameplay more, because it felt like two minutes of fighting, 25 minutes worth of cutscene. And uh, ultimately, Splinter Cell... uh, Brevity is the soul of wit, and Splinter Cell understands that. Feeling lonely? Perhaps you've lost that love and feeling, and you're just looking for someone to stand by you. Well, here we'll stand by you. We are the target demographic. Our CD offers such classics as, well, whatever this song is right here. For three easy payments of $159.36, this classic can be yours. Or just visit tdpodcast.com or platformnation.com. And don't worry, 
Don't cry. As you stand. It'll be okay. Stand by me. And darling, darling, stand. Okay, for next week, we have some more community intelligence, and we want to hear from every single one of you guys. Yeah, last time when we did, uh, what was it we did? It took forever to just type them all up. It was um, uh, a life without gaming. Yeah. Last time when we did uh, My Life Without Gaming, we got so many responses that it took about an hour just to edit them all into one readable uh, document. So yeah. I want twice as many. Yeah, and we noticed a, a theme that basically was running through all that, apart from we have a digital cowboys band in the, in the works. Yep, we've got to all, all want to play um, guitar and speak French. There was this whole kind of consensus that, you know, we were trying to not necessarily say what we were doing was... Um, not relevant, but it, it was almost like, you know, well, back in my day, we did it this way, which got us thinking. There's there's tons of stories out there about, you know, well, back in my day, you know, you guys complain about loading times of 20 seconds. Back in my <laughs> we day, had I, ha- 20 I had minutes. To, yeah, I had to load a tape for 20 minutes, and it got ni- to 99% and failed. So I don't know, you young whippersnappers. You complain about £55 for Modern Warfare 2. I paid £70 for Turok on the N64, and you couldn't even save. So we want to hear from you. Some of those kind of quotes, because I, I think I've got my own. I know Alice has got his own, but uh, and and this isn't just kind of um, relevant to people over like, the age of twenty. Yeah. Mitch Meister can do this and tell yeah. us back in his day when he was ten, uh, which is last week, um, what's what what kind of stuff he had to uh, basically uh, deal with and and how things are, are different now. And basically, it gives everyone a chance to be a moaning old git for one week. Exactly, because even if you if even if your first console was a PlayStation. It, th- there's still stuff now that is completely different than what you, you currently have, even if it's like, well, back in my day, we used to have controllers with calls on. It'd actually be interesting to hear that kind of, well, you yeah, know, really, and that's, that's an issue for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, back in, back in my day is next week's community. That's the theme. Question. So, yeah, uh, post on the forums if you want to make absolutely certain that your, uh, your view is going to get through. You can also post it on the website. We are the circus and abandoning the magician. Sometimes the white clan who blows with big bubbles all full of screams. So why should I sing another love song? Why should I sing another love song? Part three, we're three. The 28th of April, which was this Wednesday just gone, marks the three-year anniversary of Digital Cowboy's first ever show. And, Tony, I believe you have some stats for us. Yeah, we're three years old. Three. Uh, That is one-tenth of your life, and my life, actually. So if you divided our lives into (laughs) ten sections, one of those sections would be entirely full of podcasting. DC. Yeah, and it's just some fun facts for you. I've put these up on Twitter and up on the forums, but for the people that haven't actually uh, looked and over either of those two devices, you'll be interested to hear that if you were to, to sit down and listen to Digital Cowboys one day and go, right, I'm going to go from episode one all the way up until episode five, 200, and, oh, 100. For which you would receive a long service medal from us. 
we give them out in the forums, long service medal. And there is people that have done it. And there's we a, need to actually do a proper list. And we'll do a thread, actually. Yes, uh, so be something to people to, to achieve. Is, is, the, you know, is the, the one that we know of the most that actually recently sat down and done it over three weeks. Actually went from one to 152. I think Kid Sampson could probably get it. He has you know, dozens of hours available in a, in a week to listen to the show. <laughs> but anyway, that would actually take you 239 hours. Oh, I can't think of a single thing I'd like to do better with 240 hours of my life. Or 10 days, if you ten, enter. 10 days. 10 days, basically, folks. Uh, Tell me you, one other entertainer who's given you 10 days worth of entertainment in one go. And, you know, I've actually thought about it. I think, oh, 10 days doesn't actually seem that bad. But then I realised all the time that we do before the show, after the show, and then editing the show, putting the show together, and I was like, yeah, yep. it's far more than that. But uh, just it's to you guys, it's 10 days. days. Uh, and if you were like us and me and Alex, where, where, where we keep every single show on our hard drive for prosperity's yeah. sake, it would uh, take up a space of 6.8 gigs. It does, yeah. It does, yeah. So uh, just some fun facts. So yeah, we've been going for years. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but uh, no. it's just uh, I realised the other day and I was, I was just looking through the back stuff and I'm like, oh, 28th of April. Now, there is a, a best of show coming up where basically I will be taking the best of episode, I think it's like um, 51 onwards to uh, whatever we end up releasing it at. Um, it's quite a huge project. And obviously I can't give you that kind of footage now. And while we obviously don't expect our listeners to all go back and listen to every single one of those shows, uh, or even the first episode, what I can do for you is give you a little taster of that first amateurish episode one uh, over the end credits. Ah, oh, brings back memories. Yes. I can't, honestly, I can't. You haven't even heard it yet. <laughs> no, actually, I, I did. Um, I did, talked uh, about Sunshine and Guitar Hero 2. I did recently actually go back and listen to it, and uh, oh, it's good times. But um, on top of that, so obviously we're three years old. I actually, me myself, celebrated my 30th birthday on the 27th, so on Tuesday. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> I just suddenly realised I now should be uh, old and responsible in my life. And, yeah, uh, you're the responsible one now. Yeah, I'm, I'm now a man geek, not just a, a child geek. Um, so but you were technically a child geek last week. Really? I so. Yeah, I think in the 30s we should have all our stuff sorted out by now. Really? I'm going to say 30 is the new 20, which, by <laughs> the way, is the new teens. But anyway, the, the reason I bring it up is not to you know, go great, I'm old. Um, and Because there's far more people that listen to this show that are well over 30, I know that for a fact. They'll be going, you but, young whippersnapper, what are you but talking about? <laughs> but it's just to talk a little bit about, actually, I, I did some stuff over my birthday, and one of those is more for our forum community, where I actually went up to see our, our DC community manager, Count Stex, and his, his lovely fiance, uh, Penguin Girl, up in... Uh, Liverpool, of which I believe we were maybe a little bit derogatory to, uh, derogatory to last week. We um, reinforced some stereotypes yeah. of Liverpool which probably aren't justified in every area. However, there were there were are obviously problems in that area. Otherwise, they wouldn't be having the meetings with the children. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so uh, my my experiences up there were that it's actually a a lovely place, Liverpool. The town centre itself is really, really nice, and, and the coastal parts. And it, it's just—I actually found out it's, it's roughly the same as what London's like. To be honest, the middle bit's really nice. The bits that surround the the outer bit, so that would be something like. And I'm going to insult some more people now, but you know, places like um, Mitcham and and you know some of the, the seedier parts of Croydon, you wouldn't particularly want to live in. And then you get outside of the suburbs and more into the you know the Surrey and the Kent sections are you know really nice. So it's like any big city. But uh, so I had a really fantastic time up there, and I met Woo Doggies 
as well, who's uh, another regular on the forum, um, and his and his wife, who's a policewoman. So she told me some lovely stories about um, Liverpool itself. So thanks very much for their hospitality. Also, I got to meet um, the Funky Gibbon over a curry as well. You uh, another forum member. So. Really, I had a really, really fun birthday. Um, so thank you once again to those people. I just thought I'd, I'd give them a big shout out. But uh, one of the reasons I actually did want to bring it up to bring it back to gaming um, is to talk a bit, little bit about Boom Blocks as well. And that's just to say, if you play that in multiplayer and you think you're a good gamer, yeah, that, that will bring you back down to the earth. I was absolutely trounced by my wife and Count Sticks on that game. Mainly for the reason that I, every time I thought I would go for the big score, I'm going to take down the 50-point block and only ever knock it three quarters off and for somebody else just to die, do a tiny little tap and then bring down the tower so I learned very quickly that uh, you know always going for the, the, the high score wasn't necessarily the idea of the game uh, but it was far too late and I'd lost entirely um, and that's that's that but there's one more thing just before we, we give you the delights of episode one um, <laughs> it's not as bad as that episode one <laughs> God. Uh, Qui-Gon, you mentioned midichlorians. What are they? No, is um, is that we, we are becoming a bit more proactive with actually the stuff on, on the forum and gaming nights, and um, we've decided that Friday night will be a, an official Digital Cowboys night every night, every Friday. Um, the forthcoming one that, that is... The one that is just It'll there. It's basically happening right now as you're listening yeah. to this. Yeah, exactly, I mean, which was Halo 3, because that won the vote. But... Um, the one coming up next week, which will be the Friday the 7th of May, is going to be the Halo Reach beta night. Oh, uh, yes. For our community to jump on and bear in mind you'll need a copy of Halo ODST to play that and download it. Um, I believe that's on for three weeks, I think they announced today. So I'm not going to have much time to play it, but uh, we'd love to see uh, some of the people that haven't already uh, signed up in the forums. And you know, we know that we have a bigger community that, than what is over there. So if you fancy playing uh, Halo Reach with us, we still can get a couple of parties going. Uh, and that's going to be a regular thing. I think we've got some plan like a street, Super Street Fighter coming up. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, take a look over the forum that you'll see lots of stuff. And also, that community night thread isn't just for for us to, to arrange these big uh, the Friday night games. There's always games going on during the week. So uh, look for that if you just want to play with some like-minded people because uh, that's that's a busy old thread in there. Uh, <laughs> it's very hard to keep up. But uh, yeah, that's that's about it. So I think uh, roll out episode one. And before we go, we just want to thank Andrew J. Smith, designer for Proper Games. Thank you very much again, Andrew. That was awesome for you to come on. And we will see you next week for Back in My Day. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Tony Atkins. Why are you suddenly a grizzled 1930s prospector? It's, it's the cowboy thing, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Well, Tarnation, I've been Alex Shaw. Happy I've trails. been Tony Atkins. And this was episode one of the Digital Cowboys. The third voice you'll hear on here is Paul Shotton, our co-host for nearly 100 episodes. Thank you very much, Paul, for everything you've done for us. Hello and welcome to Digital Cowboys, episode 1, dated 25th of April 2007. This is a discussion podcast focusing on what movies, video games, music and internet sites have caught the eyes, ears and fingers of myself and my co-hosts. My name is Alex Shaw. To my right, I have Paul Shotton, and to my left, Tony Atkins. This week, we're talking about Guitar Hero 2, Sunshine, and Idiocracy, amongst many other things, and the latest YouTube videos, which have caught our eyes. So, guys, how you doing? Good. Yeah, good. Okay. I wait for the 360s version of Guitar Hero 3 and Guitar Hero 80s. Yeah. Those are my new games of the uh, year for waiting. The 80s you know. one is out when? Soon? Or? Apparently June on the PlayStation 2. 
and 360. Uh, <laughs> Can't be a Sam time, I'd imagine. Right. Okay. <laughs> Can't imagine it not being then um, November for Guitar Hero 3. No word, no word on the songs for that then, I guess. No. Right. Remember that, that is... I heard um, Snooker Loopy. <laughs> You're just waiting for newer, newer song packs. Yes. Not, I mean, the template is entirely there, but there's not much more you can do with the uh, the way that you're going to play a guitar down the fretboard. Hmm. Yeah. They'll also probably release an, an interesting new kind of guitar with each one that you can, you know, optionally buy, you know, if you want to buy that as your first one, or as a spare guitar. So you can have a very 80s one, and then Guitar Hero 3 will probably be some sort of flying V. Yeah. I think, and just yeah, so we're clear on this, if Neversoft are listening, which they probably aren't, no story mode. That's no. <laughs> Although, uh, oh, if Neversoft are listening and you're wondering what things to add in there, Ralph Brown, the uh, guy who was in With Nell and I and Wayne's World 2, and his sort of, I learned it from Keith Richards when I toured with the Stans. You need him as your narrator. If it's going to be even vaguely story-like, or if you want a new guy on the actual um, practice mode, that guy. Just needs to be Spinal Tap. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That would be so cool. Ridiculous and daft. Yes, but no, they're so good at voiceovers anyway. Yeah, Michael McKean, uh, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer. Get them in, get them in as Spinal Tap, and get them to endorse Guitar Hero 3. Because uh, the, the kids like that, they, they like playing guitars, because they can pretend they're us. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Well, I think the, ne- the next big thing they're doing for free is online multiplayer. So that's oh, the oh. next big hook and angle. Oh, yeah, and of course there's Rock Band coming out later as well. You can add on a mic and drum machine and uh, kazoo and, uh, you know, form your own proper band that you've been wanting to do for years. So I'm getting that with a mic just so I can do, do the singing because I like the front man thing. Okay, so, right, moving on. Paul, a couple of weeks ago you saw Sunshine. What did you think? Well, uh, this is, this is uh, director Danny Boyle's new film, um, Danny Boyle, he of uh, what train Rain spotting, Shadow Shadow Grave, Grave, Life of Sordery, Millions. millions. Uh, 28 days later. <laughs> I, beat really? I beat you. Next. <laughs> the beach. Anyway, um, ah, you bastard. <laughs> gotcha. If you put aside, if you put aside the, you know, all the all the things that are absolutely wonderful about it, the acting in particular is, is yeah. very good. and particularly um, from the Human special, Torch and uh, Scarecrow specifically, yeah, the, who's, who is uh, absolutely superb in the film, Killian Murphy, uh, Michelle Yeoh, and the uh, the rather lovely Rose Byrne, um, <laughs> who I would repeatedly um, over and um, over again. <laughs> uh, I've had a bit of a thing for her ever since the rage in Placid Lake. But anyway, another, another <laughs> separate issue. If you put aside that, you the put rage in Placid edge, Lake, edge of the seat tension, the really wonderful uh, sort of set pieces, like the well near the end of the film, uh, which I'm not going to discuss. I mean, ironically, the, the biggest compliment I can actually say, as we've uh, we've already alluded to, it really could have done with being a bit longer. Yeah, I agree. And it's not often that you actually say that about a film. It could have done with... You honestly... I, I fleshing out just a little bit more. If they were going to go down the road that they start going down, which, again, we can't discuss because it can't ruin... It seems a little bit rushed, sort of. It seems a little bit rushed, yeah. Bit rushed, yeah. I, I think the real, the real star of the show is the sign itself, and I think that uh, whatever, whatever, whatever else you take away from it, it's, it's, it's very impressive on that, on that count. And, uh, the fact that it's not really done good enough at the box office is a crying shame. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, people are going to see Bean instead. Uh, see, I was so tense throughout most of the end part of the movie. I, my heart was beating so hard in my chest. I thought, you know what? I'm probably going to die at this point. I am so... There's so much tension. 
I am going to die. And I didn't die, but I could have. Yeah, thank God. I mean, it's I, I've funny. never it, thought it, that a film it, could kill me with sheer tension. If we look at, I mean, obviously the film was was made in the UK. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of it's a bit of a we, you know, up our squad. We. The I mean, it's coming. Twenty million quid to make, uh, you know, four bucks. Um, uh, look, he looks a hell of a like it cost a hell of a lot more. Um, Special effects, oh yeah, definitely. Actually, uh, looking at the Wikipedia entry, which is less than the cocaine budget for the Baftas. Well, yes, there's, there's a there's some amusing. Um, Ronnie Corbett again. Rating it, Finland apparently. And Martha Stewart. Uh, <laughs> setting peril, zombies, and misfortune. Apparently, the reasons it's been given a K13 in Finland. So, to our Finnish listeners, now you know what's, what what score is. Hang on, what film was given? This is this, this film. It was right. That was the reason it. What got, sunshine? Uh, in Finland, yes. It's Curse of the Golden Flower, Paul was coming round to my house to say the night the other day and uh, he said uh, let's go see Cuts of the Golden Flower and I who was planning to see it anyway I'm not blaming you Paul um, said yes why not because I like Zhang Yumo and all of his recent films like Hero and The House of Flying Daggers so we went to see The Curse of the Golden Flower and about 20 minutes in I realised it was rubbish it was absolute shit and uh, that uh, I, uh, my eyes were about to bleed from the disgusting amount of colour bright paint, splodgy, rubbishy, horrible, opulent, everyone covered in gold and sequins that would make a pimp blush kind of set design and uh, costume design. And I realised that everyone involved was having a thoroughly boring time. There are many, many scenes in the film where um, a large amount of courtiers, about a thousand or so, come running in. They surround the uh, the royal family and uh, they are told, leave us. So they run back out again. And it's like, look what we can do with extras. As opposed to, you know, maybe, possibly, some characterization here or there. There is no characterization in this. Chow Yun-Fat strokes his moustache and looks despicably wicked the whole way through. The three sons, buttheads, stare at each other and gawp when any any bit of sort of family secrets are dredged up and uh, revealed to them. I lost count of the amount of times that uh, people were going... (gasps) Uh, when they were told, ah, by the way, she is your sister. She is your... Uh, you know what? I'm going to spoil the plot for everyone. She's his sister, and he's shagging his sister. Okay. Um, and uh, what else am I... Uh, no, that's about it. That's the only plot revelation, frankly. Uh, oh, oh, that woman who was the ninja, it turns out to be the guy's mum. That, that's it. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. The, the whole film is about uh, the overthrowing of an emperor who's clearly a wanker. Uh, and at uh, the very end, he doesn't get overthrown. There, there's a massive battle to no avail. Uh, the, 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 other, the son who's trying to actually defy him kills himself. Uh, and it's a case of, oh, see what your machinations have done. No, you know what? He could have killed the emperor. He, had, he was right there. Okay, That was the plot of Hero. It's all about getting within ten paces of the emperor. And the, everything that was excellent about Hero... Uh, Still no, nowhere near as good as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But everything was excellent about Hero, about House of Flying Daggers, and the heart that was in the, the middle of House of Flying Daggers, and the, the, the soul and the um, self-sacrifice of Hero. Vacuum. Gone. Completely. Nothing. All you get left is veneer and gold paint, and is a waste of everybody's time and money. And Zhang Yumo should be thoroughly ashamed of himself. Now, sit my piece. Paul, what did, did you... They didn't like it, then. There, there was a moment when... Um, after a lot of talking, a bunch of ninjas turned up, 
And I went, yes. And Paul also went, ah, oh, last. And I suddenly realised that Paul was just as bored as I was. I thought, yeah. oh, great. I thought it was just me. I thought it was just stupid, and I couldn't appreciate another, oh, per- no, another it, culture. No, it was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, probably was around about the 20-minute mark after the third, uh, you know, someone walking past a... Uh, one of the rooms shouting. Oh yeah, there's this guy at the tower. He keeps going past, going, ah, it is the hour of the rat. It and you just, oh. yeah, it just. Inc- I mean, my, my, my main, oh, my main beef with this. They do it every three minutes. Okay, my, I mean, my main beef with the film is that it is incredibly boring. <laughs> the the adults are really, fine. The, mar- oh. the martial arts bits in it. I, sp- I suppose if. It, you know, it's not. I mean, it's all well and good to have them, you know, swooping camera with a th- army of thousands, but you just. You know, if you so don't care what, about a single one of them, I don't care. I don't care what happens to these people. I mean, usually with with these sort of films, it's sort of fight between two or three characters at the most. Yeah, Jet Li and, and Donnie Yen in Hero. That start was a great start. And it's quite uh, sort of beautifully done. Whereas it's just you know some guy in the middle of a bunch of people and he's just all running around. It's just it's really really. There's poor. no coordination to no, it. No, it's, it's just. It's just it looks like a mess. No, it looks like community theatre with a budget of millions. <laughs> it, it's it's sort of they've they've got the grandeur, they haven't got the character. There's nothing there to actually look at. There's no people. It, Ultimately, there were characters you were supposed to care about that when they died horribly, messily, tragically, I almost cheered just because it was something happening. It was like, the only things they could stop annoying me right now. Well, there was go- go- I think the only thing that really raised her, piqued her interest at all was Gong Li's cleavage. <laughs> Which kept popping out. It was, you know, she kept rushing through the castle with these things bobbing up and down. In front we, did, of thinking, we did both. Did Tecmo did, make this film? We, we, we did, both did, did a cheeky glance and went, oh, oh right. yeah. But other than that, no. Uh, Gong Li has made some poor no. choices in her time. I, I like Miami Vice, but it's not a good film. Well, well, you put yeah. me off it anyway. Yeah, well, seriously, I, if I saved you guys, I mean, mainly we have you got the money because you have Cineworld cards, but if I saved you guys the money from petrol and the time you could have spent on Guitar Hero 2, then I've done a good thing. Okay. I'm just, just on CD while rentals looking at, um, I could rent Blu-ray and HD DVDs. Oh, nice one. Oh, the nice one. That's a great way to save twenty nine ninety nine for a film you're going to see once. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell's going to pay that for a Blu-ray movie? Um, no, people who are foolish. There's only one. Who've never it. heard of the internet? As, as we know, there's there's not actually that many HD or Blu-ray titles that anyone actually really wants to watch. So. Yeah. Well, Bond. What about Bond? Yeah. After that, uh, rumor has it. Monster House. Uh, I mean, uh, seriously, Monster House swordfish, is. Swordfish, Troy, Unforgiven, <laughs> and Helsing. <laughs> I got five. Yeah, I, I, I quite want to see The Holiday, but I actually might rent that in HD. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see every hair on Cameron Diaz's face. And then go, shit, she wears a lot of makeup. Yeah, she's just got cracks under there. She probably looks like your grandma now. She was hot when I was a kid. The mask. <laughs> actually, Remember I got mask? the fireplace. Visions of Tranquility, HD version. Yeah. <laughs> Visions of Wanquility. <laughs> I am not buying a fireplace DVD. You want to escape the frosty cold outside or share a special evening with a loved one. This is the DVD. What kind of idiot watches a fireplace? It's not even going to produce any heat. Uh, Unless the TV design is a bit iffy. um. I would buy buy a disc if it had, for example, one hour of fireplace, one hour of, like, the ocean, one hour of, like, a forest. Just, like... In Back to the Future 2, they actually had that. It was like a, a window that you could change the view on, and it wasn't working because Marty called the, the repairman a chicken or something like that. That's in the future. 
um, we're now there. <laughs> we got to the point where our TVs can show us beautiful views of a fireplace. <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, also the, the, the one film actually out this weekend that I really, really must see as soon as I can is um, uh, Shane Meadows' uh, This Is England, huh? and also God of War 2. Ah, oh, yes. Okay, right. When's that out? Uh, Friday. Friday. Okay, right. Next. There you go. That could be the review. Okay, that about wraps it up for this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about, amongst other things, South Park and God of War 2. Review from Paul there. If you want to send us an email, to uh, send it to digitalcowboys at googlemail.com. Just tell us how we're doing. Give us some feedback and also discuss anything you'd like to actually see in the show uh, I'd like to thank both of both my uh, co-hosts Paul Shop yep, and Tony Atkins see you I've been Alex Shaw, thank you very much folks I will see you next week this is a song about springtime I woke up this morning, had a scone in a large house blend Then a little conversation with my squirrel and chipmunk friends Said I'm sick and tired of winter, and I wish that it was spring Then a little fella named Robin Redbreast began to sing and he sang, Ooh, child, would you think the cold winter's gonna last forever? Ooh, child, now's the time for all the people to get together outside. Cause it's the first of me, first of May, outdoor fucking starts today. So bring your favorite lady, or at least your favorite lady. The water's not cold, baby, dip in your big toe Maybe I'll see you in flagrante delicto Grass below you, sky above Celebrate spring with a crazy little thing called A fucking outside I thanked him for the information I cried a little when he flew away I watched an episode of the People's Court And I tried to plan my day I called up my old lady She wasn't home so I called my girl I asked her if she'd like to join me As I entertain the world And I said, ooh, child Bring a blanket and I promise I will brush the ants off Ooh, child, you're gonna like it When we're taking each other's pants off Outside Cause it's the first of me First of May, outdoor fucking starts today. So bring your favorite lady, or at least your favorite lady. The water's not cold, baby, dip in your big toe. Maybe I'll see you in flagrante delicto. Grass below you, sky above. Celebrate spring with a crazy little thing called a fucking outside. We went to the park together We were walking in the midday sun We met all kinds of people And we, we fucked everyone We fucked a lady who sells ice cream We fucked a man with a tan sharpay 
Everyone who needed fucking well, they, they got fucked today. So come on, child, open your minds and your hearts, feel the spirit moving through you. Child, you feel the warmth of the love when I stick it to you outside. Cause it's the first of me, first of May. Outdoor fucking starts today. Oh yeah. So bring your favorite lady, or at least your favorite lady. The water's not cold, baby, dip in your big toe. Maybe I'll see you in flagrante delicto. Grass below you, sky above. Celebrate spring with a crazy little thing called a fucking outside. A fucking outside. A fucking outside. I almost forgot to mention uh, there's cake for everyone. <laughs>